Joey Logano coming in. He was second in the rankings in this round of eight. But a win here. Welcome to the championship four. Championship, baby. Let's get it on. Good job. Way to fight. Good job, Paul. Hello and welcome back to the Full Tank with Phil podcast, the first ever podcast about gambling on NASCAR. And on this week's episode, well, we're winding down the races here to the championship race. So we will start by recapping Las Vegas and what went down in the desert and talk about the live stream that we're on and what we saw and how we reacted and how our bets did. Um, everything in between with the recap there because there's quite a bunch to talk about. And then we'll take a quick peek at the playoff picture as we get ready for the last three races of the season and two more before the championship field is set. And then we will move to Talking Homestead because that's where they are going this weekend. Homestead Miami Speedway is uh, well back in the spotlight once again. So we'll talk about our strategy for this one time a year racetrack, how we're going to approach it, what we're seeing, the data sets, uh, and then start talking about some outright picks and then finishing positions. There's a few interesting ones there as well. So um, excited to see if we can hit on some of the, the value plays. And then once again, I am thrilled to have on Chris from the Flag Hunting Podcast. Just one more time here to end out the season. Chris is joining me halfway through the episode to talk about a bunch of things. Obviously, we'll talk gambling and homestead, but before we get to that, we talk some silly season. And uh, we even do a little bit of a, a Mount Rushmore type of thing with NASCAR media members. So that was a, a fun conversation we had with Chris. Um, so we get into all that, including a head-to-head full tank face-off when we get to gambling on Homestead. So happy to have Chris aboard for this episode and um, stay tuned for later in the episode when he joins us. So let's start by talking Las Vegas. And I got to start by saying I had an absolute blast because we did another live stream event. We were not all together, but when I say we, I'm talking about the group that gets together every Wednesday night on Derek's Twitter spaces. We're talking about Derek's at Picks by Blaze. We're talking about Rory Picks, Skybox NASCAR, Seth from In Between Media, and Chris, who you know represents flag hunting. He was unable to make it, so his partner in crime, Ian, jumped in with us. He's typically the golf guy, but man, he can really hold his own with NASCAR as well. We had an absolute blast, the six of us doing the live stream, watching the race, talking about our bets. We had guests on, Rod Gomez, Chris Wormy joined us throughout. A lot of people in the chat. Some of you, if you're listening to this, you you may have been in there as well. The chat room was phenomenal. Uh, just a, a really good time. And we were sponsored by Betfred Sportsbook. They are up and coming, and um, they threw out some free bets to some people that tuned in and listened. So just really fun to be able to do that. And what a race to actually be in there talking with it. Uh, group of people because there was a lot that went down. I mean, first of all, I think we can all agree that the races that we've seen up until this point in the playoffs have just been, you know, not great. Uh, the Roval was an embarrassment. Um, so 
to have this really good, strong showing from NASCAR, the next-gen car, the track, everything really came together to give us a, a really good race. They needed it. It was just what the doctor ordered. So to be able to, you know, riff with everyone that day for three hours watching it uh, made it really fun. We'll, we'll start, you know, kind of chronologically here. Uh, midway through that race, we had the Bubba Wallace-Kyle Larson incident. I was fired up during that incident on the live stream. Uh, I, you know, we know now NASCAR suspended Bubba, which I think was the right move. We were in shock that he would do that. It was, it was really just a compounded uh, a bunch of issues that were just compounded one by the other because, first, he was being raced hard by Kyle Larson. And, you know, maybe he put him into the wall, maybe he didn't. But you got to learn to be able to handle that if you're going to be racing up front, which he had a really good car. I had a live bet on Bubba uh, because he looked really strong. And if you're going to be up there with those guys racing, you know, that caliber of, of driver, you got to learn when to give and take. And Bubba, you know, getting offended by that uh, was, you know, Issue number one, you know, you got to learn to be able to handle that. Um, now, Kyle did, you know, push him up the racetrack, and and I think that that is also something to be looked at. Uh, but at the end of the day, it was nothing egregious to warrant this type of reaction. He gets put into the wall. His car was not done by any means. He scrapes the wall, and instead of just handling that and, and getting it fixed and going back out there and, and trying to score a good finish, he intentionally hooks Kyle Larson in the – the right rear on the dog leg and, you know, wrecks them. They, he wrecks them both. And that is problem number two. You can't do that. Problem number three comes in when we talk about all the safety issues and how these drivers are getting hurt while you're just completely disregarding everything that these guys, including your boss, Denny Hamlin, has been complaining about. So Bubba, you know, uh, that's issue number three. Uh, issue 3.5, part of that wreck, he, he takes out his Toyota teammate and championship contender, Christopher Bell, which is a damn shame. Uh, we'll, we'll talk, I guess, more about where he stands right now in, in just a bit, but absolutely gutted for Christopher Bell. He said all the right things in the post-race interview, but seeing that happen live, talking about it with the guys, that was something that really stood out to me. It's just like, wow, takes the wind out of your sails to be cruising along, having a good day, maybe score a good points day. You're, you're still in the hunt for the championship four. And then now, just because of stupidity, nothing, not even an act of God, not even a, a tire going down or something like that, an act of stupidity of, you know, your quasi teammate puts you out of the championship four and you need to win now. Puts you in a very tough position. That's a shame. Walking across a live racetrack, uh, Denny Ham, or excuse me, Bubba Wallace, walking down while the cars are coming around under caution. I mean, I don't know if too many people found too much issue with that. I did because they made such a big deal about that. I think it was Danica that you know really caused them to put that rule in there. I mean, that's that's just silly to to walk across. You're not allowed to do that. Then the long, slow walk all the way up to Kyle. Uh, if you want to get physical, you know. That's fine. Kyle clearly wanted nothing about it. I have no issue with the actual fight, if you call it that. Um, but I would have thought that in that long time span that it took him to get to the five car, I thought that he might really come to his senses and realize, like, what am I doing here? But he did not. And then to make matters worse, so I'm not counting that as an issue. I think the fight is what it is. Um, NASCAR has those from time to time. And, 
you know, NASCAR loves them. They market the shit out of the fights. But the post-race interview was an embarrassment, um, just absolutely embarrassment. You need to own up to your mistakes and, and or if you're going to do something, say you did it, right? Um, he, he tried to say, like, stop fishing for, you know, did you do it on purpose? Stop fishing. Uh, that, that was a joke. If you're going to do it, say, yeah, I wrecked them. Yeah, I wrecked them. And then figure that out later that, you know, after you calm down, you know, he did issue a statement that clearly was not written by Bubba, uh, but did issue a statement later. When you come to your senses, realizing about the safety issues and everything like that, yes, that's when you say, you know what, my bad. I, I handled it the wrong way. But in the moment, if you do that, you better own up to it, man, when you're still fired up. That that was probably the worst part, part of everything for me with the Bubba situation. So, um, yeah, it. It, the racetrack definitely is part of the situation. If he does that in two weeks at Martinsville, I don't think you're seeing somebody suspended. But it, it's the high-speed track, a terrible spot to do it. Um, I know Mark, Mark Skybox NASCAR was you know just as fired up about this situation. He was getting into it with people on Twitter. So uh, a, an interesting <laughs> piece of event there that took place during this race to be on the live stream with everybody. So um, the rest of the race went down, and... I thought we saw a good one. You know what I mean? This was really showing why this round of racetracks, you know, is the last round before the finals because this gave us a, a good racy situation on Sunday. This is what it should be. Logano, after we had a, a situation where people were, you know, taking two tires or four tires, Logano, the next caution, goes in and gets four more four fresher tires than everybody else, um, which was, in my opinion, in the moment, I was like, man, he doesn't have enough time to catch him. He, he, he does not have enough time. But he got a little lucky with another caution coming out uh, where he was able to move from 12th to 8th with those fresher tires and have a, a better shot of getting up there. And, you know, we had guys like Briscoe for the lead. We had Haley who took two tires. He was up there for the lead, holding off Briscoe for a little while. Um it was a really good race. Finally, Chastain takes it over, and then it's all about can Logano hunt him down. It really showed that those fresher tires meant everything. Great call by the crew chief. You know, we had some tire wear issues there, um, which brought the strategy play into light. And great race. You know what I mean? I was happy because as far as our bets were concerned, I had Chastain. I called him out on the podcast. And Logano, I had him uh, on race day. We talked about him on the live stream. I actually ended up taking Logano twice before the race and during the live stream. Um, so I was pretty happy when I realized that. Uh, but yeah, 10 to 1 both times. Very happy that those were the two guys hunting uh, and, and you know, holding off. But Logano, there was nothing Chastain could have done for holding him off. Logano just had the fresher tires. He proved me wrong. I did not think he had enough time, and he had much more time than he needed. So uh, a great race. It didn't end in disaster with a, a bad block or anything like that. So really happy overall with the way things panned out. So um, good stuff as far as the other bets were concerned. And Logano hit uh, for a couple bets. He had the outright pick and then over Chase Elliott. We called him out in a head-to-head. -head. That was a, a cakewalk. Chase, as we predicted, was not good at this racetrack and uh, Logano makes him pay. We called out Ross for plus 140 over Denny Hamlin. Uh, Ross almost won the whole damn race, plus 140. Really good over Hamlin, who finished top five. So uh, a good hit there. And, um, you know, I had a little 
personal Penske parlay uh, that actually hit by the skin of its teeth because uh, Blaney, even though he had a, a rough end to his race, he was going up against Christopher Bell in a matchup, and as we documented, Bell got even more unlucky. So that parlay ended up hitting. But uh, we had a Briscoe top 10, plus 100. Never would have thought that. Uh, he completely took me by surprise. He was dismal in the first part of that race, and then all of a sudden we had a long conversation about it uh, on the live stream. I was like, where did he come from? He must have you know, not taken tires or taken two. I didn't see him when they came out of pit road. Holy cow, he's seventh. Came out of left field, and uh, that is really what put him in position, and he, he was going for the win at one point. So plus 100, top 10, we call that out on the pod, feeling pretty good. So not a, not a bad day overall, um, and the other thing to call out is if you're tailing our season-long win total bets, the Penske win total is in play with three races to go. It's four and a half. We've got the over. They've got four wins total, so three wins could clinch it. Um, we're also in our Chase Elliott-Denny Hamlin matchup for the season win total. We've got Chase 5-2. to two. Hamlin is now dormy. Uh, anybody else that wins the race this weekend will clinch that matchup for us. And uh, Reddick and Christopher Bell still 3-2 to the good side. We have Reddick there over Bell. Um, now, Bell is in a must-win situation, so we'll see how that plays out. It could get a little dicey for that one. But, uh, yeah, Penske is back to life. Gibbs is officially dead. We had them uh, over 8.5, and and they are at 6. I guess they're not dead. They're dormy as well. Um, so not looking good there. But Penske, we have life. We have very much life because Logano being locked into that Phoenix race, you know, he could get it done, and that's going to cash. So, um, good day all around and a really fun time. And we hope to do those live streams again. And hopefully you will join us, um, make you make us part of your race day next time around. And again, thanks to Betfred Sportsbook for um, making that a little bit more fun as well. Giving out some free bets and merch. Taking a look at the playoff situation. Joey is locked in, obviously. So, you know, hopefully he got his championship odds at a much better number than where they're at right now, which is plus 300. Um, he was, you know, above 10 to 1 for a lot of the year. Um, I think I have him at 9 to 1. And uh, just overall really happy with what we're seeing there, his speed. Ross Chastain is plus 18 to the good. Chase Elliott plus 17. That's significant because he lost a lot of ground. He had that huge cushion. He's given a lot of it up. He had a really bad race. Not like he got into anything or anything like that. Just just did not perform. And if he goes out and has another race like that, or Rex, he's going to be on the bubble. Hamlin is the bubble, plus six. And the guy behind him is William Byron, who's minus six. So those two are kind of fighting it out right now. Ryan Blaney, unfortunately, he looked like he was in prime position. I was cheering for him, had him you know, outright, obviously. Uh, he was looking fantastic and then just disappears. He had the issue where he... Got loose and wrecked, and now he's 11 points to the bad, which is just really upsetting. Uh, Chase Briscoe, we had a good race, almost found his way into victory lane, which would have been insane. But he is nine points to the bad, but he's very much in play. You know what I mean? If he could just keep having good points days. That's why we called him out for top tens. They need good points days if they have a prayer. And uh, they need more things to happen to the other drivers, like what happened to Christopher Bell, who was 23 points to the bad. Not a total must win, but uh, I, I think he 
you know, really needs to drive that way. So that's the playoff picture right now. Very, um, I guess you could say together, right? They're, they're kind of close together, close enough together where this next race really means a lot to a lot of these drivers, except for Joey. You're not safe if you're anybody right now, and you're not totally out of it if you're anyone. So that's exactly what NASCAR really wants. Um, so that's why Homestead is a very big deal heading into a Martinsville race after this, which is a huge question mark based on what we saw earlier in the year. So let's get to Homestead, and we'll start talking about our strategy behind it and everything that goes with it. They come here one time a year, which makes it a little tougher, I think, to kind of handicap this type of race because for a while this was the championship race. And when you're going back and you're looking at the data, you got to sort of keep in mind that you know, a lot of times this was uh, the race that was for the title and drivers may have raced a little bit differently during that race uh, while there were four guys still, you know, hoping for that trophy. So that's a, a thing that you need to maybe consider, but it's really tough to when you're throwing it all into the data set. Now, uh, they moved it to earlier in the season. That's where it was last year. And uh, we really saw a, a good race there. And now it's back in the playoffs, which Everyone seems like they agree. This is the this is a phenomenal racetrack. Everyone seems to love Homestead for what it is. They call it the best mile and a half, um, even though it doesn't race like the other mile and a half. So not exactly a comp to you know the Vegas or Kansas or Charlotte or you know those. We'll get to the comp tracks in a second. But um, what we've seen now is people who have been riding the wall have had success. And that's why everyone says like, oh, Kyle Larson, he loves Homestead because he was able to find a way to ride the wall up there and and has shown a lot of speed. Christopher Bell is one of those guys. You could even throw Chase Briscoe in there. You kind of say like the dirt guys, they're, they're riding the wall. Now, um, there's a big question mark. I was listening to the teardown. Jeff Gluck was saying that he was talking to some people in the garage. And, you know, if you want to consider riding the wall, like the shortcut at Homestead, recently, the, the faster way, um, it seems like there's a thought process that that's no longer the shortcut. That just might be the way to go. And it, that could result in a, a tougher time to pass. Like everybody's going to be trying to ride the wall. Um, but we'll see if that actually unfolds that way. He, not sure who he was getting that information from, but that is something to look for when we get into practice and once the race starts up, you know what I mean? Will there be everyone kind of single file along the wall, which would be crazy, but uh, hopefully it's a little bit more racy than that. So let's get to some track stats with Homestead. Only 23 races here in the track's lifetime in the Cup Series. Three times the winner has started from the pole. Hamlin did it in 2020. Now this is a, an interesting part of the track stats. Starting in the top five, the winner has come from there 60% of the time and seven of the last 10 races. Now that's pretty significant. 60% of the time in the top five, that is very big compared to what we've seen, you know, on all these tracks, excuse me, other tracks. Top 10 though, this is where it stays interesting. Top 10, the winner has only started there 69% of the time. So why is that interesting? It's because it really could make the case that, you know, if you're going to be winning the race, you're really starting within the top five or you're, you know, further back. It's not necessarily uh, if you're six to 10, that is a great qualifying day. Great job. But it doesn't necessarily equate to uh, a victory. Whereas, you know, one through five 
clearly is a, a much bigger advantage. So the winner outside of the top 10, they've only started there three times. And the last time it happened was last year, William Byron started 31st, which was, um, I think, the record from starting furthest back. So manufacturer trends. Chevy and Toyota kind of have a split going on throughout the last 10 races or so. Toyota with a, a slight advantage there. And Ford, though, is the thing to call out. They only have one win. It was Joey Logano since 2010 at this racetrack. So that's a pretty big deal. Do you want to fade Ford a little bit? I don't know. I've got a Ford called out in my uh, outrights this week that I like, and he's a familiar name. But that might be a reason to kind of fade the Fords if it's not this guy. So those are the track stats for Homestead. Now let's talk about the data set. Because they only come here one time a year, I don't want to go too many races back. I'm only going five races back at Homestead because that brings us all the way to 2017. And now you're starting to get further back from that. Guys uh, haven't you know, had the experience. You're talking about retired guys and, and things like that. I'm not interested in that. So um, last five races, 2017. It's enough info for me there with Homestead. We're looking at average finish. We're looking at driver rating just like we always do because we want to see, you know, who's good here. But if you're looking at 2022, we know that the next-gen car has brought so much to the table where we really need to stay focused on it. There have been three races in 2022 that we can comp to. This is a high tire wear track, so, you know, we need to consider that. I said it's not a comp to other mile and a halfs because this is such a high tire wear track. It changes the way the race unfolds. So the comp tracks are Darlington, which they've gone to twice this year, and then Auto Club, the second race of the season a little further back. So we've got three tracks that we're comping this week. I do not have, as far as I'm recording right now, the tire codes. Um, I'm expecting that to come out later. So keep your eyes peeled for to see what tracks the, the tire codes might relate to and see if that impacts you at all. Um, but as far as, you know, where I'm going with my outright picks, I think it's kind of hard to take outrights this week just because of the full situation, absorbing the, the full amount of information, you know, with Homestead and how it's a little bit different with the next gen car. We don't know what to expect with the way they're going to race. So I guess you could say that my picks for outrights are a little chalky this week, and I will be calling out the favorite. So let's just get into it. I'm, I'm calling out the favorite. The favorite has not won a race in NASCAR uh, for a very long time. Way back, maybe before the summer even started, was the last time the favorite has won. But I'm going to say Tyler Reddick this week at 7-1, and we're going to talk about uh, him as to why I like him, and then maybe see a, a way to play him. So I don't mind him at seven to one. I think he's a very strong candidate to win the race. Um, if he was down there at like four to one, yeah, maybe that's not enough for me, but seven to one for the resume that he has here. I'm, I'm not too uh, concerned about it. I think though, you might have some success waiting till after qualifying to make this bet because he has an average starting position this season on the contracts of 8.3. So if he, you know, starts outside the top 10, maybe you get a better number on him. Maybe he goes up to 10 to one or something like that, which would be a, a big time steal um, for this resume, because this is what you want on this racetrack. He is a guy who likes to run up near the wall. We've said that that's successful at Homestead. He's one of those guys that's able to do that 
and do it very well. So he only has two starts here. He's got two top five finishes, a fourth and a second. So if you're looking at Homestead numbers, he's got them. He's exactly the type of person you want. But 2022 on the high tire wear tracks, he's fifth in average finish, 9.7. Both Darlington races, he finished second and third. And, you know, he wrecked. He had a, a flat tire, I believe, at Auto Club, the second race of the year. So that's why his average finish is um, not better than that. But he was running very well. His total speed rating is third in NASCAR this season on these comp tracks. So very good numbers at Homestead, very good numbers on these comp tracks in 2022. Got some really good finishes at Darlington more recently. So he is definitely someone who will be in the mix in some way, shape, or form. So I need to have him on my card, whether he's the favorite or not. It's not scaring me off this time. So Tyler Reddick, 7-1, but I'm going to hold off until after qualifying and uh, see if I can get him at a better number after that. The next guy I'm calling out, I say it's, uh, you know, I mentioned my picks are kind of chalky for outrights this week. And, you know, this guy may be... Um, I think he's kind of flying a little bit below the radar. It's William Byron, 12 to 1. He's the defending winner of this race, but yet not really seeing much about him. And, you know, I think we can't overlook the fact that he won last time we were here because in his four career starts, he is clearly showing big time improvement. 24th and 39th were his first two starts here. Then recently, 9th and then last year, 1st. So whatever it is, whether he's getting more mature or just learning as he keeps going, the team's getting better, gelling as a group, whatever you want to call it. At Homestead, they have clearly shown progress, which is great. His average finish, obviously those are his four finishes, not phenomenal, right, because he's got a 39th and a 24th in there, but his driver rating is 10th in NASCAR, 92.1. So that's a way to say, you know, he's, he's kind of performed better, then the finishes that he got, like 39th at one point in his career. Looking at 2022, his stats are pretty sneaky. Kind of a same deal here when we're talking about average finish and driver rating. His average finish on the comp tracks, high tire wear tracks, 18.3. But you got to look closer. He got taken out in Auto Club by Reddick, actually. When Reddick had his flat tire, William Byron got caught in that mix and Byron had a really strong car at that race. So if you look at his driver rating on the three tracks, he's tied for third in NASCAR, 104.6. And his total speed on the three comp tracks, second. So, man, that is, you know, you got to dig a little deeper for that, but he's there. So last year's Homestead win might not have been a fluke. You know what I mean? He think he's kind of figured out this racetrack and it's clear that he's starting to really enjoy the high tire wear tracks because 2022 has given us great evidence of that so i think 12 to 1 is really good value on william byron um, i would take him now because i could see him maybe starting uh, pretty high up and that would uh, make his odds get a little bit shorter so i like him 12 to 1 william byron the defending champ of this track trying to do it again and lock himself in to the championship four. Now, speaking of the championship four, we got the next guy or the last guy I'm calling out for outrights is somebody who's already there. And it's Joey Logano plus 1000. So 10 to one and back-to-back -back winners. If you listen to this podcast often, you know that I typically shy away from taking the guy who just won, but 
I started my notes a little early for Homestead. I started getting into them last Friday. And as I was going through it, I actually made a note to myself, Joey Logano at Homestead, you know, and underlined it, basically telling myself, I, I need to remember to take him. And then he goes out and he wins Vegas. And I come back to my notes. I'm like, ooh, back-to-back winner? But I, I got back into them here. And, you know, it makes total sense because his numbers are just in a, a completely other league when we're talking about this. So let's start by Homestead specifically. In his last four, five races, excuse me, at Homestead, he's got one win, two top fives, and three top tens. His average finish is ninth, 12.8. That's fine, you know, not lighting the world on fire, but he's good enough, and his driver rating is a little bit better. It's seventh in NASCAR, 96.4. So serviceable enough numbers at Homestead. He's that 1-4 driver who was able to get it done. That was for the championship. So uh, this would be a, a Penske guy, by the way. So this would lock in our, our Penske uh, win total bet if he were to go out and do this. So that's a, a double whammy, big time. If we're betting on Logano to win the race and then he hits that win total bet, oh boy, we're celebrating. Staked dinners that night. But I digress. Homestead numbers are serviceable. They're good. He's got to win there. 2022, though, is what really has your attention. On the comp tracks, three of them, his average finish is 3 Point three, That's his average finish. Unbelievable. Fastest total speed in NASCAR. His driver rating is first, 119.2. Just absurd. He's the only driver in the three races, Auto Club and both Darlingtons, to finish top five in all three. So, I like Joey Logano a number of different ways this week. Outright, I have to take him 10 to 1. I need a top five plus 130. So this is a segue into our finishing position segment that we're going to get into here in just a second. Um, top five plus 130. I like it all day. There's even a head-to-head matchup that I'm really into that I'm going to save for when we have our conversation with Chris. I hope that I can call that out as uh, my pick for the full tank face-off. So stay tuned for that as well. But uh, hopefully Chris doesn't steal that one from me. And just another note, right? I want to get into the fact that typically I don't like taking the the back-to-back winners and, you know, the fact that he's locked in could mean, right, your mindset goes to, well, they're just going to practice for for Phoenix, right? They're they're not really focusing on the, the task at hand. They're just getting the car ready at the shop trying to do all their testing. They're going to ride in the back. It doesn't matter what happens here. And, and that is just simply not true. Um, I went in and did a little digging here. Winners of the first race of the round of eight that were in the playoffs. Um, they, I wanted to see how they do in the next race. And the last four years, the winner of race one at the next race has four top tens, two top fives, and one win. Last year, Kyle Larson won the first race of the round of eight, and then won again, back-to-back. Joey Logano is actually in the position where, in those four races, he was actually the winner of the first race twice. He finished once for a top five and two top tens in the subsequent race. So just because he won, this is the, the TLDR here for all that, just because he won last week and he's locked in does not mean that he's going to let off the gas. He very easily... Um, and it's been proven. They, it's almost like they're lifted. Their, their weight is lifted and they're racing very free. So a top five at plus 130, I need it 
all day and night. And I need a, a top 10 because, excuse me, a, a 10 to 1 for the victory because of how good he's been this season on these high tire wear tracks. So to recap here, it's Logano plus 1,000, William Byron 12 to 1, and Tyler Reddick plus 700. I like all these guys. Like I said, a little chalky, but I think one of these three guys is going to get it done. Buggity, buggity, buggity. Let's go racing, boys! So next up, we'll get to our finishing position segment here. And like I said, I already called out one of them, and it was Logano plus 130 for a top five. But I got a few more that I want to call out here. A um, couple moonshots, a couple surprising odds that I, I really want to try to take advantage of. So let's get right to it. Uh, the first one that I'm calling out is a pole bet. And I just want to make people aware of the situation that we're getting into here. Um, Denny Hamlin has started first five straight times at Homestead. Now, that did not result in him actually going out and winning the pole five straight times. He's won the pole three times in the last five races. Two of the other times, it must have been like a, a COVID situation where they just awarded them the pole based on uh, the previous performance or the week before or whatever the case, however that algorithm works. But he's won three times the pole in the last five races. He's plus 900 to win the pole again. So I think that that is worth throwing something on. I don't know. There are definitely people in the NASCAR gambling space that are way more into the pole bets than I am. But I'd have to imagine, you know, he's got something figured out as far as unloading fast at Homestead. Now, you know, looking at that, I think those odds are, are really solid, 9-1. to one. He started fourth at Auto Club, so he had great speed on these tracks throughout the season. Finished second at Darlington, uh, number two. So, you know, he's been fast here. He hasn't necessarily started fast at these comp tracks this season. Fourth at Auto Club was his uh, best starting position, but um, I think you take that with the combination of how he's unloaded fast at Homestead in the past and kind of take a flyer on it, you know, nine to one. When I saw that he's won three poles in the last five races, I immediately went to see what the number was. I thought he was going to be a, a shoe-in for the favorite, but he is not. So I'll throw a little, um, a little coin on it. Shout out Rory and Mark. Uh, lay some coin. Plus 900. Not too shabby. Like I said, not a, a huge fan of the driver to win the pole special bet. But in this case, uh, if he were to do it again, I would feel silly that I didn't get a piece of it. So... That's where I kind of stood with that one. Now, speaking of pole bets, got to stick with it here. This is under the weekly specials area within DraftKings, and I know that there's a couple other books that use the same APIs for their bets. And driver win the pole, you know, whoever that is, you get that driver at plus 750. Sorry, I'm reading this to make sure I'm getting this correct. So this is an interesting one. Last week it was plus 700. Now it's up to plus 750. And I think that's good enough to take here because if you're looking at the guys who are at the top of the odds board, you've got, you know, Reddick's already below that right now at plus 700. You've got people like Hamlin that are plus 800, even, you know, Logano at 10 to 1. Guys who are in that range who win the poll, I think, are going to be below plus 750. So I think it's worth that shot. We saw Denny did it a couple years ago in 2020. It's not you know, something that's happened a ton, only three times in the history of the track, but it could be worth, as far as your value is concerned, you might be able to get someone that on race day is going off at much shorter number 
because of this. So plus 750 driver who wins the poll is something that I'm definitely considering this week. I just wanted to call that out. It got a little better. Last week, 7-1, um, you know, and, and not that, you know, plus 750 is a huge difference, but it got my attention. I'm saying, okay, well, they, they moved it up a little bit. Let me take a peek, and uh, I think it makes some sense. So we'll get into that a little bit as well. Now here's a moonshot for a top 10, and this is someone that I didn't think I'd be betting on this week, but... Well, lo and behold, I'm uh, getting into it. It's Eric Almirola at plus 350. Now, the odds here are really what's getting me to throw something on Almirola here because this is a a bit of a moonshot. If you're looking at his homestead scenarios of how he's finished, two top tens in five races, that's not too shabby, right? He's not totally out to lunch at this track. I mean, he's, you know... Two of five times, that's not too shabby. 40% of the time, he's finishing in the top 10. He's plus 350, remind you. Now, he does have kind of a pattern going on for everybody who likes the patterns. Every other race, he's finished in the top 10 since five races ago. And last time we were here, he finished 30th. Fifth the year before that. So um, it would be kind of his time if that pattern were to continue to be in the top 10. Now, this season is what also got me interested in Eric Almirola because on the high tire wear tracks, he's got the second best average finish out of everyone in NASCAR. 9.3 is his average finish. And he's only got one top 10 to show for it, but that is super interesting to me. He's finished 6th, 11th, and 11th. So he just missed twice. But that's good enough for second out of everyone as far as average finish is concerned. And the thing about it is he's not even showing great speed. His driver rating isn't even that great. But he's finding ways to scrap races together on these high tire wear tracks and give himself a shot at this top 10. So this is not a layup by any means. He's done it once of three times and just missed two of the other times. So, you know, bet this at your own risk. But plus 350 is too good for me to pass up this early in the week, seeing the numbers of Eric Almirola. Plus, you weigh in the fact that he looked great last week. We talked about him at length. Seth had a flyer on him, 60-1, to I believe it was, to win the race. And Almirola was up there, all these restarts. He's hanging in there. Eventually, kind of faded towards the end as far as his chances to win with all the stuff that went down, the strategy and all with the cautions. But... Amarola showed a lot of heart last week and um, clearly has something at these high tire wear tracks. So plus 350 for a bit of a moonshot here. I'm into that. Um, Now, the last guy that I'll call out is Eric Jones. He's plus 180. And this is another one that just doesn't seem to make sense to me because this season, Jones has shown the speed that we're looking for. He's top five in total speed on these high tire wear tracks. He is fourth in average finish, 9.7. So, you know, right behind Austin Dillon and Almirola, a couple names that you didn't expect, right? The top five, just so we can be clear here, the average finish for high tire wear tracks this season in NASCAR, it's Joey Logano. We called him out at 3.3. Then it's Almirola and Dylan tied for second. And now it's Jones and Reddick. Reddick, somebody else that we called out as 
a, a potential winner here, they're both tied at 9.7, their average finishes. Jones has two top 10s this season, so uh, on these tracks, his speed has been there. Overall, that 43 car has just shown so much this season. So, absolutely, he was there last week as well, battling. That Jones boy will give you an opportunity to hit this bet this weekend at plus 180. If he goes out and he qualifies well enough, you're not going to see this number. So, you know, maybe if you like to be the one to wait and see if they don't qualify very well and then get this number at a better spot later, okay, you know, that that's fine. And if he does, you know, qualify poorly and that number does go up, man, more power to you. I'll lay that number again, whatever that way may be at that point. But plus 180 screams to me for this driver. So his numbers are really good. I think that they've really found something on that team. They're they're confident for what they are. And plus 180 for a top 10 is not outlandish at all. But I think the odds are. So I'm snagging it while I can here for Eric Jones. Now, the I guess I was thinking that might be the last one. Just, just a throw in here. Just a, a last minute throw in at the end of the segment. How about a little Noah Gregson love? He doesn't have a top 10 this season in the Cup Series when he's been driving the 16 or the super speedways in the 62. And since he's joined in the 48 car, he has not finished in the top 10. But he's had some serious uh, speed at Homestead in the Xfinity Series. He's looked really good. I think three or four, he was in the top five at this racetrack. If I remember correctly, I didn't write that down, but I was looking at him. This is me just kind of going on the fly. I wish Noah's numbers for or odds to finish in the top 10 were a little bit better. So he's plus 100 on DraftKings right now. Uh, maybe on Barstool, we'll see him at a different number, a little bit better number for the gambler. But I think Noah is improving. He finished 11th last week. We were cheering for our guy Ross on the live stream who was in the chat. He had Noah for a top 10 for a, a really good number. Um, and, and I think he's showing signs of improvement. So it's a track that he's been good at in Xfinity getting better in the cup series, really finding his way plus 100. I, I, maybe I'm hoping I can get that at a better number. If I see him at a longer number than plus 100, uh, this weekend, I think I might throw a little something on Noah Gregson. So, uh, just a throw in here at the end of the segment. So Gregson, keep your lookout for him. Jones plus 180 top 10, Almarola plus 350 top 10, Logano plus 130 top five. And then the poll bets plus 750 to win the poll, excuse me, plus 750 for the poll winner to win the race. And then uh, maybe a, a tiny flyer on Hamlin plus 900 to win the poll. A lot going on in the finishing position segment. Now, is there anyone out there who wants to go fast? Anybody? I want to go fast. So now in just a minute, we're going to welcome on Chris from the Flag Hunting Podcast to talk about a number of different things with us this week. We're going to be talking about some silly season action, some movers and shakers in the, the world of NASCAR and where drivers are finding homes or maybe not finding homes. Then uh, we do a little something different this time around where we talk about NASCAR media personalities who are the best ones out there right now you should be following heading into this offseason. And, uh, of course, we get into Homestead, his thoughts on how to handicap this race, and a full tank face-off for some head-to-head. So a lot of things to get to with Chris. So without further ado, here he is, 
Chris from the Flag Hunting Pod. So now, once again, we are very happy to welcome back on to the podcast one more time before the season is over. We've got Chris from the Flag Hunting Podcast uh, joining us for Homestead. Chris, how are you making out tonight, man? I'm in a real great mood now that the Yankees just won. So uh, it's, a, it's a good start to my night. Uh, hoping hoping the same for you here in a little bit as the Phillies are about to come on here. But uh, yeah, obviously glad to be back. I think it's the third time this season, I think. Uh, fourth time overall. So glad to be back. Yeah, this is always fun. Yeah, the Yanks pulled it out. So, so just a, a warning to anyone out there. Chris and I are recording, you know, he, he's he's been on, like you said, a bunch we usually record a little bit later in the night, but we're recording a little earlier tonight because of the baseball situation um, starting up here in between the Yanks and the Phillies. Um, so that is uh, why you may hear some background noise at my place because the kids aren't uh, down yet and the dog is a lunatic. So um, we'll we'll see. I'll try to keep myself muted. But uh, yeah, it, it's... Uh, Great to have you on once again, and it's always a fun time. We've got some topics that we're going to get through. I know we want to get to silly season. Got a new thing that we want to do this time around with some uh, NASCAR media personalities, kind of like a Mount Rushmore deal. We'll we'll talk about that, and then head-to-head face-off. So a lot to get to, but um, I was on with the, the larger group on the live stream this past Sunday for Vegas, and we had Ian filling in for you who did a phenomenal job. I, I guess I'll, I'll talk about Ian in just a second, but tell us about your weekend. Where were you? You were out of pocket. I was, yeah. So, uh, you know, Derek had texted us all about a month ago, and and I just, I think I just forgot to put on the calendar. And then my wife brought up going camping. She's wanting to go camping for a while. Um, so I double scheduled myself, of course. So, yeah, Derek texted all of us early in the week, you know, like, hey, you guys still good to go this weekend? I was like, oh, crap um so yeah i uh, kind of volunteered ian in there for tribute and uh man he did good he felt really good I, I watched the whole stream yesterday when i got home and got um service again um but yeah i was up in the mountains we were tent camping we weren't like glamping we were actually tent camping um i had wow. literally zero service um from saturday morning until like late sunday night um so i had no idea like what happened at all in sports the whole weekend i literally got home was like saw who won the race saw the Yankees and lost two straight i was like oh this is all great um so yeah it was it was an interesting weekend but i actually i don't know if Ian mentioned i don't think he mentioned on the stream but i actually had to drive about 20 25 minutes into town to get service to put our card together for that morning for the race so i looked at <laughs> i looked at practice and qualifying splits really quick put our card together sent it to ian and then went back to the campsite that is dedication First yep. of all, uh, <laughs> to the card and also just dedication for uh, camping, like in general, to to be totally off the grid. That's very cool. Um, I, I was going to ask you, you said you sat through the whole stream, which is impressive, um, you know, to do after the fact. Uh, I, I, so it, it sounds like you did know who won before watching the stream, right? I wasn't sure if you were just going to like go in completely blind and let us uh, guide you through it. No, no, I actually, so I did watch like the extended race highlights first on YouTube because I just wanted to see kind of what played out and everything, um, which actually kind of made it, I don't know which way it would have been more fun, but I, I think I was so curious just to know how the race turned out and how our bits turned out and everything. So I did watch the extended highlights 
But then going into the stream after watching the highlights, I was like, oh man, I'm so excited to see their live reactions to Larson Bubba. Like I'm so excited to see like all these different things play out. Um, and like, and I, I texted you guys in the group yesterday. Like I thought it was awesome. The fact that you guys had like football updates going on during it. Um, you know, you had all either the live ads again, then Worm came on and was grilling Ian with some Tom Kim talk. So like, <laughs> it was awesome. Like the whole thing, the whole nine yards was just, it was well done. And I, I, was having FOMO as I was camping this weekend, knowing that you guys were. I looked at my phone. And I was like, "Oh man, they're they're live right now. I'm missing out." So I'm I'm excited to jump on the next one for sure. Well, yeah, I mean, it's something that we can definitely do, right? So, uh, and if anybody that's listening to this, you know, <laughs> hasn't really given the live stream viewing a, a, a thought, um, we got a lot of good feedback from people that did tune in even if it was just a little bit um and, and as an audience member it's not something that like i've done for many other sports barstool i think is the king of it uh, for their college football stuff and i have tuned into their stuff and and now with their hot seat for the baseball stuff mm -hmm. um that stuff that i do sort of tune into and it's starting to get like more and more popular so for us it's something that we can do a lot next year that's for sure um especially you know remote like that it's super easy um to to pull that together so um yeah we should uh definitely look ahead and and get something on the books next time and and ian the, the to, to wrap that up he is i didn't introduce you properly because i think i kind of just assume that people know who you are now you know people that listen to this podcast but um chris is part of the flag hunting podcast with his partner ian so it's a combo nascar golf podcast if this is the first time you've heard chris on on this pod and ian is the golf guy and uh, you know in air quotes um and he hopped on the live stream with us and that to me the fact that ian was able to to go in there chop it up have fun not be totally bored out of his mind like you know give it back to us you know in certain uh situations that just shows like what a strong partnership you guys have like for him to want to do that um and how educated like both you guys are in, in to be you know in both those sports um so definitely props to him and to you for putting together like such a strong brand right now with uh the flag hunting pot it's really phenomenal yeah, well, I appreciate all the kind words, but yeah, I mean, all the credit goes to Ian. I mean, like, he is a lot more well-rounded than me. Like, I don't think I could jump on a golf stream, like, in place of him and just and spit up the knowledge that he did, but he's got he's got more NASCAR knowledge than he than he thinks. But, um, yeah, the, I was very impressed with him, too. I sent him a text and told him, I was like, hey, you, you might not think you can hold your own, but you can hold your own in a NASCAR conversation. So, yeah. yes. That is true. Um all right, so then we'll move forward now, you know, because I, I want to just get it, you know, speaking of the flag hunting pod, like what's your what's your focus for the NASCAR offseason? Like I know golf is just never ending. Um, so what are the plans for the flag hunting pod? Do you guys get a break or are you gonna plow all the way through till Daytona? Um for the NASCAR side of things, I'll get a break. <laughs> um, like you said, golf, golf, there's only about a two-week break from about like december 14th until like january 7th or 8th or something like that um that's their only off season for, for golf so um we'll keep on trucking for golf um and we'll probably figure out some sort of fun episode to do for nascar just as an off-season content like last year we did like where i picked my new fandom yeah um, that, was, that cool. was really fun so you know we'll figure out something like that something like you know 
like kind of like we're about to do. We're about to talk some silly season. So, you know, I'm always geared down to talk to just put the mics on and talk some silly season. So it might be something like that. It might be um I actually have an idea where if, if I'm not able to get you on before the season ends, I might have you on for an off season idea. I've got another idea where I kind of want to, well, I'm just going to go ahead and say, it. I, I think I just want to go ahead and tell you what it is because I've been excited to tell oh, you. So breaking news. Listen, so me and Ian are big fantasy football guys. That's how we kind of got started into this whole thing is we, we've been playing baseball for years. We've, we're in a, we've been in the same league. I'm actually the commissioner of the league. Uh, we're going on year 13, I think, um, for our home league. we got guys from high school in there, guys from college. Um, so that's kind of where our passion started before gambling. Um, and then we had a uh, NASCAR fantasy league as well, which I think I've heard you say uh, that you guys have a league as well or used to have one. Um, Many different so, versions, yep. So we're still running one on fan tracks, actually. I think I heard you guys mention that. And it's actually a dynasty NASCAR league. So you draft and you keep those drivers for however long. So I was going to propose to you, hey, let's do an off-season pod where we do a dynasty draft. Me and you, let's let's draft the drivers from, hey, where do we think they are from now to five, ten years from now? That sounds really fun. <laughs> um, I am, you know, I love drafts to start. Uh, so you had me at draft, but um, yeah, man, that, that you definitely, you, we got to connect on that. And uh, I will absolutely be a part of that. That's uh, something you have cooking. That sounds like a lot of fun. So yeah, I'm I in. think at the very least it'll be, it'll be me and you and maybe we can talk, you know, Mark, Rory, Derek, I think those guys have going as well. We can do a little round oh, yeah. table. So that's kind of my off season idea. I was, I was kind of, I was wanting to keep that a secret, but at the same time it's more fun to spoil it. Hey, hey. I'm I'm glad you you brought it up. I'm I'm now looking forward to something, you know, in the off season. That's going to be fun. Um, and, and you mentioned fan tracks. I, I brought this up to Derek one time, but something that I'm like, you know, maybe I could just put it out there now. There's a site called OfficePools.com or something like that um, that I started. Uh, I got looped into this football season. It's the first time I think they've had this type of pool where it's not like a knockout pool or, you know, you select two guys for that week or whatever. In football, they have this thing called a share pool. Have you ever seen this thing before, Chris? No. So the reason the reason I'm bringing it up is because I need more soldiers. I need more people um, on my team on this because I want them to do this for NASCAR. Um, and I've emailed them a bunch <laughs> and it's not working. Um, so all it is, is every week, this is college and NFL each week from week zero in NCAA to the Super Bowl. You, you enter in for us, it was like a $200 buy-in. You get 10,000 shares and you get to bet the line, the spread, parlays, teasers, whatever you want to do, over-unders on whatever games you want to do in that week. You get to use your shares as you wish. Do nothing, bet it all on one game, whatever you want to do. And whoever has the most shares at Super Bowl Sunday, 000 on the time, uh, they win the money. And I think that that would be perfect for what we do, like as a collective group, because you know, that would give us more things to talk about. We could invite, you know, basically anyone on Twitter who wants to join, like, and see what people are doing in their share pools. Um, so I am just hounding them at office pools uh, to to make that more available for other sports, aka NASCAR, because that, 
you know, it's just another thing to, you know, kind of do each week. So uh, I might not be explaining it fully, but, um, you know, cross my fingers that down the line that becomes a thing because it would be yeah. really fun. I'm having a blast with the football stuff. Uh, and I'm just, I'm sitting here in my head thinking like, not even just NASCAR. Like, what if they gave us access to all motorsports? So, like, we could bet on. Like, oh my goodness! Truck Xfinity Cup, F one, like IndyCar, like whatever it was. Whatever Perfect. You to bet on, like, that way you have access to just as many lines as you would for you know NFL and college football. If they gave us every motorsport, we'd have just as many lines to choose from. So that's totally. Perfect. Oh my god! Yeah, that'd be yeah. That's awesome. We're we're getting the fact that they haven't responded to me. I mean, I can't imagine that many people are emailing the admin <laughs> person at officepools.com like weekly but um i think the fact that they haven't responded is trying to say like you know you got no shot bro but um if it happens or, or better yet this is the call to action right here let's let's just start a <laughs> let's just start a big call to action of hey if you're listening to this right now go that's email. <laughs> that's why i start that's why i brought it up when you when you brought up fan tracks that's where my mind went like hey if you're listening to this maybe you want to be part of that get you know email them if you can and and we'll see uh if we can make some progress there. So, um, yeah, but I'm all pumped up cause I'm, I share my account with my brother-in-law and, uh, the guy who was leading the the league by like 50,000 shares, just put everything on San Francisco last week, like a lunatic. And now he's out. So now oh. we got like new life. Um, so we're in third now, but anyway, I digress. Um, let's talk about the thing that you and I above Everybody else love talking about probably more than gambling, which is silly season. Um, we, we've talked about it on on full tank. We've talked about it on flag hunting a bunch. Uh, now is typically when silly season supposed to happen. Right. But um, this day and age, everything's starting to happen earlier and earlier. So we were kind of forced into conversations, but uh, we've got some updates to talk about some drivers to get into first and foremost, we need to pat ourselves on the back, Chris, because Tyler Reddick, uh, we, we nailed that. I mean, he oh, yeah. was going to get bought out by, by 2311. We knew that he wasn't going to race for, for Richard Childress, uh, racing. So, you know, high five there, a, a Y five, um, through the computer because we absolutely hit that out of the park with that. I mean, and I don't know if it was super obvious, but it was to us. Um, so that any closing thoughts on him? Say, say again. So I might be the only one we got, right? But it's okay. <laughs> but you, that is true because things got a little wonky. I mean, you know, with Kyle and, and then Kirk getting hurt and everything, so, some things we couldn't really um, foresee. But um, then you sent me a text today. You were the first one to, to send it to me and bring it to my attention. Uh, Ty Dillon has a ride next year. It's a ship box, but it's a ride. <laughs> he's in, he's in the cup series next year. Good for him. Uh, and, and He's at Spire, right? That's where he's going to yeah. end up. Yeah, 77 car. The 77 so, car, okay. Yeah, so, um, yeah, so I guess, I mean, obviously it's Spire. So, like, it is what it is. But look at look, look what Corlin Joey's done on Super Speedway this year. I mean, and Ty Dillon, that's his specialty. So, like, if that's what they're looking for, like, hey, now you're talking about, you know, two guys that are really good at Super Speedways oh, yeah. for your team. Like, that's, that's brilliant. No, I don't think that that's a bad plan at all. Like yeah. if you're and Corla Joy has been doing halfway decent, like for, yeah. for this season, I think it's his like career best year. Yeah. Um, and now that you've got Atlanta as another one, you got six shots. So you got 12 with two of them there, 12 bullets in the chamber. Um, so good for them. You know what I mean? Rooting for a, a small team and a, you know, 
a driver who has never really been able to put it together, but I, I, I feel for him. And, and obviously I've talked about him a bunch, so I'm happy that he was able to, to find a full-time ride. And, and call me crazy, but I guess it's just me how much I'm into silly season, but I actually did watch the press conference today. That's how I knew so quick. Um, because first, and I had a feeling something big was happening because I don't know about you, but like, it seemed like I was getting so many notifications. It was like the NASCAR app and Twitter. And everyone was like, Hey, Spire is having a driver announcement at 11 AM. And I was like, well, I'm just going to tune in and see what's going on. And like, sure enough, like I know this comes strolling out and sits right down. I'm like, I got text Phil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, that was yeah, great. So, but they mentioned in the uh, in the press conference, they um, I don't know the names of the, the executives of Spire, but one of the guys that was first talking was basically saying, like, you know, telling the media that was in the crowd, like, hey, you know, I know that you guys are here. You're not really sure what our direction at Spire is, but, you know, we're here to say, like, hey, we're going full time with these two cars next year, and we wanted an established veteran driver to be in this seat, and that's why Ty's sitting here. So I think it was pretty cool for them to say, like, hey, they're really, they're not trying to be like Rick Ware. They're not trying to come out here and just, like, just put a car on the track just to go. Like they're saying, Hey, we want to actually like try to build the program a little bit. So I respect it. And, and another thing to respect is Corey LaJoy. Like he has the ability to shop himself around. I mean, he's been trying to do that for a while. And the fact that he's put together a decent season, everyone seems to love the guy. Um, just hasn't had the chips fall where he could sneak into a, a stronger seat. The fact for him to kind of double down and be like, I'm in, Two car shop with Ty. We're we're veterans. We'll we know what our strengths are. We know what our weaknesses are. We're gonna go out and we're gonna you know do our best. That right. he, he's sticking around. He's not sour grapes. He's not you know. Hey, I could be driving the the forty five car or whatever car. Yeah. Um, yeah. So good good for them. It's a small team. They're worth cheering for always. So uh, yeah, hopefully we'll catch some top tens on them next year a couple times. Um, it, you know. They, they've they've proven that they can get it done. Um, the last guy that I sent to you was Harvick. So, and I know you said you had a couple guys outside of him, but Harvick's news this wasn't like confirmed at all. This was kind of like people making something out of uh, what maybe Richard Childers said um, or Rodney Childers said rather uh, this weekend about. Harvick having his last season in 2023. I don't think Harvick's weighed in on it. Um, they're trying to re-sign him and nothing has worked. So I think that that's where, you know, that is kind of going. Um, and then people were saying like, well, he, he's old enough. He'll probably want to just quit instead of finding another team. So where do you land on all that? Do you, do you think that's actually his last season or do you think he's re-signing with the four do you think he's going somewhere else like what's your thoughts when you saw that stuff i i think it's actually true i i think he's gonna hang it up i really do i mean between what he's got going on with his son uh keelan and then you've got the broadcasting that i think he's actually good at i think he's actually a good broadcaster um i, I do feel like he's probably gonna hang it up i mean he's he's gonna be what 46 at that point 47 um that that's older than i realized if that's true I'm pretty sure he's 45 now. I mean, I'm going to bet that, but um, he's actually 46 right now. He's about to be 47 in two months. So, wow, so he'll be 47 next year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I actually do, I actually do buy it. And then you've got to tech on, you know, the comments this was that yesterday or two days ago from Tony Stewart about how, or actually, I guess it was Gene Haas technically. And this is the other name that I had written down. 
was Tony Stewart wants Priest in the 41. Gene Haas wants Custer in the 41 next year. So there's like a split amongst the minds over there at Stuart Haas. So you've got that internal debate going on. Plus, if Harvick stands are going, you got to think that they're telling Priest, like, hey, just hang on, like, one more year, and you're going to be in the four. Uh, but then if you're Priest, like, what do you do? Like, you're just getting older, too, by the day. Like, you can't sit around forever. Yeah, that... So we talked about Priest a little bit on the stream, or at least I tried to. Um, I don't know if I had too many people bite on that, but um, he deserves some sort of full-time ride next year, whether it's in the truck series or elsewhere. Um, And he's, he's just proven himself. So to to be strung along by Stuart Haas racing the way he was, and then Almirola going back, that was weird. You know, we're not going to know what really happened there until years later. Um, so yeah, I mean, maybe it could be a a situation where it's like, just hold on it. Stuart Haas needs to, you know, kind of have a, a, maybe they need to go camping in the woods, man, to, to get themselves right. Because there's too much craziness going on with the battling with NASCAR battling amongst themselves. Um, they need to come together a little bit. So, uh, yeah. And, and if it's not priest, so let's pretend the other name that I just want to say is. Zane Smith. Um, He's the best Ford prospect. I would buy Zane Smith gear the minute he signed with the four car, like if that was the case. So then you'd have Priest in the 41, Zane in the four. Custer can, you know, find another ride. He's young, but um, just hasn't been getting it done. So I would, Zane Smith deserves a shot. So his contract lines up perfectly for, you know, if and when. Uh, Harvick does hang it up in at the end of 2023. So um, Zane is the guy that I would see as the obvious choice. But um, I mean, that's think? no, yeah, I think that's the only guy kind of really left in that Ford camp. To be honest, that's really like their top prospect, so to speak. You know, they got they got a very depleted field. Yeah, um, I do want to go back to Custer for a second. Though. So the note sure. that I had written, wrote down today, or written wrote down. Um, so don't your download. Um, they posted like a kind of like a special episode today where they kind of wanted to talk about they do that dirty air segment. Um, for some reason, they posted it ahead of time because they wanted to talk about the Bubba Larson dispute, they want to talk about a few things. Well, they actually brought up Custer on there. Um, and Dale Jr. himself, quote, this is a quote that he said, Custer won't be in cup 12 months from now, and at that point, he needs to decide whether he's okay stepping down. And becoming an Xfinity ringer or jumping to the management side in his dad's footsteps. Whoa. That's from Dale Jr.'s words. Holy cow. That is wild. Because so, he, your- he raced for for uh, Junior Motorsports, didn't he, Custer, or no? Am I wrong about that? Uh, I, thought I, thought- he had, I thought he raced in the truck. Did Junior Motorsports used to have a truck uh, car, the, the double zero? I don't know. I honestly, maybe I'm wrong. I, don't know. I thought they were connected in some way, but maybe I'm wrong. Go ahead. I mean, that's that's why. No, yeah, that's the. I guess t- kind of going along with what you said. I'm almost wondering if I have a kind of a full strong theory here. I wonder if Stewart and Stewart and Gene Haas talked Almirola and Stain to smooth over the Smithfield money. That way, they can have Priest step in for Almirola car or Almirola at some point or Harvick, whatever whatever it may be. And then, you, like you said, bring Zane up whenever Custer's done. So you've got kind of like a three-way like circle going on here where you got like one guy moving down, one guy moving up, and one guy kind of like staying kind of in the reserves. 
Um, I don't know. What do you think about? Do you think Smith? I just Smithfield's such a big sponsor for them, and I think that that had a big influence on them keeping Almirola. And I wish I knew like the details around like why Almirola is so good for them. Like, what is his connection to them? But um, if Almirola does retire, like, was he being forced out? And then Smithfield pulled him back in, like he didn't really want to retire, or did he want to retire? And and now, you know, it's kind of like a true X situation where he doesn't, he's you know, not hundred percent with it. Uh, he's been racing well though. I mean, a great race. I, I I like him this week, honestly. Um, so yeah. next year, you know, it'll be interesting to see how they do that. As far as the sponsorship goes, like how awesome would it be to have Zane Smith? racing with the Smithfield car. Like you could do so yeah. much with marketing with that. Um hundred percent. He's like a country boy too. Like, Oh yeah. It would be perfect. Like yeah. absolutely perfect. So um yeah, it, I, it would be perfect. Cause I, I never understood why uh Bush beer never got behind one of the Bush brothers. So to have uh, Zane Smith running the Smithfield um, there, there's just endless possibilities there. Oh, um, I just realized what you're doing. That's a few seconds. <laughs> I see. Now. Yeah. So yeah, uh, I, I, maybe I could work for marketing for Smithfield. I don't, you know, <laughs> my resume will be out there. Um, so any other drivers then that you had for silly season where we stand? I got one more for you. One more. So uh, this, this note's actually coming from, I just listened to all my content today. Apparently I listened to DBC today um, and they dropped a little nugget that I thought was interesting. So apparently if Reddick wasn't going to be bought out, their backup plan was John Hunter Nemechek in the mm-hmm. 45. Yeah. Um, and I think that's interesting because, and I, I guess you knew that. I didn't know that. Um, but now that is played out the way it is, obviously Ty Gibbs is going to go to the 18. They were talking about, does that mean John Hunter is going to end up in the 19 in 2024 after Truex retires? Well, that would be interesting. Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't mind that. I cheer for John Hunter. The reason I wasn't shocked by that, and I didn't necessarily know that, but um, like with the Bubba suspension, like we were talking about that on the stream last week, we never called out John Hunter's name, but like, you know, walking the dog yesterday, like as I'm kind of thinking like, who's going to fill in for him? Like Toyota, he to me is like such a great prospect for Toyota uh, because he, he went up, raced cup, did okay, you know, serviceable, but has shown that he's got no ego problems, goes down in the trucks, does well in trucks. He is someone to harness. So uh, it would not shock me at all if he filled in for Bubba this weekend. And to take over the 19, I mean, I'd have to go down the list of other prospects that they have, uh, but he seems obvious. Like he deserves a real shot in a real car in the Cup Series, in my opinion. I mean, I'm with you the fact that it, it should seem obvious. Like, I think two years ago, I think it seemed very obvious. Like, oh, he's going to go down, build his pedigree back up, and then come back. But to me, this year, he's almost been underwhelming. So well, yeah. I was yeah. I was kind of on the fence of like, you know, did he screw himself? Because it's he's not really, like, dominating in the trucks like I kind of thought he would be. Um, so, yeah. And then, and then what's he doing next year? Because KBM going to Chevy and him being a Toyota guy, you know, does does JGR try to get him into the Xfinity car that Ty Gibbs is going to be vacating? Um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of possibilities for him, but um, yeah, I guess I didn't realize how highly they value him until today. I guess I was like, wow, they really do want him to be up here. You make a great point about KBM. I mean, I think KBM kind of being a little bit down this year 
you know, impacted him. And he's still been, uh, he hasn't been the force that he was uh, the right. year before, but um, he's still been a, a damn good cup ser- or truck series driver, but fans of silly season, he is a like huge domino because yeah. like you said, as Chevy takes over KBM, like that needs to all settle. You know, is it going to happen for sure? How many cars are they going to have? What's their schedule going to be like? Um, does he move to to race for Chevy, you know, in the truck series? Because some guys just get like in love with the trucks. So maybe he's like so far in that quicksand, like he doesn't want to leave, but um, he's young enough where I think he's going to want to take another swing. So if that does happen, he doesn't want to be involved in Chevy. Now he's, he's moving up and I think Xfinity would make sense. That's... Uh, Big domino there. Uh, we need to keep our eyes on him, you know, in the off season to see where he kind of falls because that will dictate a lot of other people's futures, I would imagine, because of how highly I think people value him. Yeah, no, 100%. Good call out. Good call out. All right. Well, um, I'm glad we got our silly season talk in. You're my guy for silly season, man. <laughs> I, I, I can't, can't get into that with uh, many other people. Um, so at this point, Still not getting into the, the full gambling yet. Um, I've been wanting to do something just for fun for a while now. You know, we've got part of my take. They do like the Mount Rushmore thing. Um, so it's basically stealing that concept. Everyone kind of steals that Mount Rushmore concept. I haven't really thought of a cute name for it. Um, thinking like the four tires of fandom. I don't know. But uh, what we're <laughs> I'll think of something for putting out a graphic later. What I wanted to talk with Chris about was do a a quick little draft of the best NASCAR media personalities out there right now. And I think this is perfect going into the off season because, you know, maybe you're not following online like Twitter or Instagram, like the people that we're talking about. And in the off season, we got no NASCAR content. Like these people um, are, are good follows. We'll, we'll kind of defend our picks, but um, this could be anyone in, in TV, uh, radio and print. So that would, you know, go to, to Twitter as well um, in the NASCAR media world right now, because there's it's growing and, and there's a lot of personalities that make this sport what it is um, and could really help you as a fan. You know what I mean? To develop your love for the sport or your knowledge about like what's going on. And um, so I, I had this idea. Thought I might bring it up on the the Wednesday show on Derek's show, but I think that's just like too many people, not enough uh, actual NASCAR personalities. Maybe the the roster would kind of get pretty thin. So do a, a quick uh, quick draft here, or maybe it doesn't even have to be a draft. Um, I'll, I'll let Chris you go first and, and take like the top you know guy. I'll try not to tell, take anybody that you go, but we'll go back and forth here. Uh, does the concept make sense? You know, any questions about what I'm talking about here? No, yeah, I think it makes sense. I think I don't know if you just said it or just now or not. But I know beforehand we talked about you know whether it's print, TV, or radio. Um, All three, and, and and print can be, you know, Twitter, you know, yeah. or like. Um, so most of the guys know, on Twitter have some sort of media outlet that they post articles to, you know, in right. general. So that's right. really where we're going. Yep. All right. Well, if I'm going to start, um, I think there's really only one way to start. To be honest with you, and it's if you go to the track, you're looking for this guy, but it's Bob Pockers. I mean, come on, like whenever you're looking for any sort of news at all, you go to Bob Pockers' Twitter. If you're uh, 
you know, like two weeks ago when we were sweating out, did Divinadetta really win that uh, Talladega race? We were all F5ing on Parker's Twitter. I mean, like, that's the guy you go to when you want to see, like, an official NASCAR ruling. You know, uh, during COVID, when we had, like, the metric qualifying and all that stuff, like, he was the guy doing those calculations. Like, he's, like, everything. He's not paid enough. I don't know what he's being paid, but he's not being paid enough. He's, he's, he needs to be actually hired by, like, NASCAR, NASCAR themselves. Because right now, he's, I think it's Fox Sports, right? Yes. Um, but what he does for the sport is just, and it's incredible. And when you see him, like if you're ever down in the garage and you see him, like it's almost like a shining light. Like it's almost like Jesus going by you. Like it's like, oh my God, that's Bob Puckers. Like, <laughs> so that's it's a good I choice. That's, that thing is number one of one for me. He He's one, he's one of one, I think for sure. Like you said, there is no other choice um, for, for first overall. So let me just write that down. Um, Sorry, bad radio there, but um, I just want to make sure I have this because I, I do want to put out like a funny little graphic later, um, whether it's this week or off season or whatever. I'm going to follow that up with someone who I hold in high regard in the same world as Bob, and that's Jeff Gluck. Um, Jeff Gluck has given me like just so much information he responds to dms like when i was starting the podcast up or when i was going for like a year or so like i messaged jeff gluck he responded to me a couple times like just and he, he kind of said like well i'm not so sure about podcast man like you know i was kind of giving him the pitch like oh, you know that that could be good and now he's got a podcast um which i listen to all the time so he's phenomenal yeah. with his tweets he, he's like bob in a way they're they're colleagues they're competing for the same stories, getting the same stuff out there. Um, awesome Twitter follow for news updates. Awesome podcast. They do a post-race podcast. Um, he he pretty much got me into the athletic uh, because yeah. Jeff Gluck's career was kind of weird. Like he, he was working. I don't know where he was, but got laid off um, whatever site that was and started his own website called jeffbuck.com. Yep. And, yep. and Dale jr. You know, talked about how great this guy is. He needs to go somewhere. The athletic snatched him up. He gave us Jordan Bianchi, who's a friend of the program, by the way, been on here. Um, Jordan is, is phenomenal at the athletic. So Jeff Gluck, you know, and the poll, the Jeff Gluck, was it a good race poll it is a temperature check for, for that. I think he's, uh, you know, you can't really compete with Bob in this, like, you know, draft here that we're doing, but Jeff Gluck, you know, is my ammunition and I'll throw it back at you there. No, hundred percent. that was, I, I don't want to, I don't, didn't want to go all print here early, but I think that's, those are the two picks that I was going to have, honestly. And honestly, I don't know if this is, if I'm giving you too much credit here, but I would almost give you Bianchi too and just say, Hey, just take the athletic because they're kind of, a, <laughs> they're kind of a duo. I mean, really what now they, they kind of are, they really do everything together. Um, they even coordinate, like, I think normally one of them is at the track. Yes. Um, typically. Um, and they've expanded into F1 and yep. Indy. So they've they've done a lot to raise the uh, education level of the, the country about all motorsports, which is, yep. uh, you know, we're giving them maybe a little too much credit. But uh, it's really what they've tried to do. So, um, yeah. And he's, he's, and he's got a he's got a great relationship with the drivers too like he does the 12 questions with them every week and yep. a lot of times if you ever listen to those he's just like they just like invite him over to their motorhome like oh yeah it's cool motorhome we'll do, we'll do the 12 questions no no big deal like um so that's always good to see because you know a lot of nascar drivers don't want to do any media but the fact that they give jeff gluck that time is awesome yeah yeah it's true 
All right, go ahead. You can take the next one. All right, I guess we should probably hit somebody, somebody TV related. I'm gonna go Larry Mack. I think. Larry oh Mack, my God, he is my. At- All right, I have a Larry Mack story, but go ahead. He's just he's a legend. He's a legend. I mean, he was a legend crew chief. Now he's a legend in the booth. Um, you know, whenever Fox is doing their, you know, now we're in NBC season where you see the cutouts from Latar, which Latar I think does go with the cutouts, but Larry Mack does something else in that booth where like he can just like predict things and like explain things to like the most basic level to make people who are new to the sport really understand. Um, So yeah, I think Larry Mack is just, he needs to be protected by by all costs. At all costs. Larry Mack, I I specifically didn't call out Larry Mack first because I did not think you would take him second. So um, (laughs) I'm jealous. Larry Mack is my favorite person in NASCAR. Um, the Fox, when the Fox broadcast ends, and it's a shame that they kind of like booted him out of the booth, but he's, they still have him in there. Um, I love everything that he brings to the table. Um, he used to have a podcast called America's crew chief. I listened to that every single time he put one out. And at one point he, you know, asked for questions or whatever. He called me out, uh, before I had like the full tank fill Twitter handle or whatever. And he, he, Said this next question comes from Phil underscore Eastman underscore, like whatever the hell my thing was. And then he's like, great question, great conversation. I was like, walking my dog, ran home, was like, listen to this. Larry Mack is calling my name out. Like, this is awesome. Um, And it was when Vegas was getting another race, actually. That's what it was about. But anyway, great choice. Larry Mack, like you said, protect him at all costs. I I couldn't agree more. so, yeah, I can't really compete with that. You're putting together quite the uh, four tires here. Um, all right, I'll go next. I probably could have got this person late, but since you just robbed me of Larry Mack, I just want to make sure I snag her. And she is, you know, if Larry Mack's the king, Claire B. Lang is my queen. Um, she is so nice. Like she does radio on Sirius XM, like from Wednesday nights to Wednesday. It might be like Wednesday, Thursday, and then Friday, the track stuff starts. Um, Her radio show, she's just the nicest person in the world, answers questions. She chops it out with people, takes bets with people. Uh, Then when race day comes around, you talk about the drivers loving people. They love Claire B. Lang. Like she is always in the thick of it. Anytime you see like, you know, a bunch of cameras or whatever, there's Claire with her little cam or her little microphone, like trying to get in there that she does the pre-race stuff, the post-race stuff on Sirius XM. She is phenomenal at what she does. And when she's not around anymore, there's going to be a huge like hole missing from Sirius XM because she brings so much to the table. So Claire B is my, my number two. I don't know if you would have taken her Chris, but you know, I needed to grab her. I probably wouldn't have, but it's a good pick. Hey, you got to, you know, like it's it's like you're doing a baseball draft. You got to get your guy. You know, even if it's, even if <laughs> even if you're reaching a little bit or girl yeah. in this case. Yeah. Um, okay. All right. Um, I'm between two. What I want to do here. I think I'm going to. Yeah, I'm going to go back to. I guess it's kind of a mix of TV and Twitter and podcast, but NASCAR Jesus Dale Jr. Mm-hmm. I mean. This might be cheating a little bit, but I think it's not cheating. He was next on my list. You're, you're, okay. Okay. you're killing me. I think he, what he does for NASCAR, like 
I mean, come on, like he's in the Hall of Fame basically just for being an ambassador to the sport. Like that's why he's in the Hall of Fame, in the Hall of Fame in general. But the audience that he can reach, like he reaches so many different people. I mean, like from the top level executives down to like just your genuine, like, you know, Budweiser, Dale Jr. fans from back in the day, like he can reach any audience. He's the nicest guy. If you ever meet him at the track, like he will, he will, he will stop and talk to you. Um, and then a lot of times that's, that's why he's called NASCAR Jesus because a lot of times what Dale Jr. says sticks. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a reason why North Wilkesboro is back in business. Dale Jr. had a lot to do with that. Um, I'm sure I'm forgetting something else really big, but he, he does so much for the sport and in so many different avenues. You know, I know a lot of people don't love him on the TV broadcast, but I think it's fun. He brings that, he brings the energy to me. I think Dale Jr. So he was next up on my list. So my list is like getting depleted here, but um, he is so underrated, which is tough because he's the biggest name in the sport. But when he was a driver, he was so closed off. Like as far as like talking to people, it didn't seem like he really wanted to be around other people. And then when he retired, that weight got lifted and his true personality came out. Yep. And he has brought so much energy and you know information to the table i think he's great on the broadcast because he he tries really hard to dumb it down sometimes and you know he explains kind of difficult things like you said about larry mack like i guess there's a common theme here like he, he explains difficult things to the fans that might not get it so he's great there the podcast is phenomenal like he, he brings on NASCAR drivers, NASCAR big names, always educational. And like you said, big things come from what he says. So um, Dale Jr. is a great choice. I mean, NBC clearly uh, believes that too, because he uh, is all over their stuff. They must be paying him a, a pretty penny because, you know, he's on the Kentucky Derby stuff. He's he's done stuff for other sports. The Olympics. Where was it? It was... Uh... South Korea, right? I think. I think it was that Seoul, was maybe. Yeah, no, I think it was. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, they 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 send him all over the place. So, uh, I, I think that's a good pick. Um, can't go wrong with Dale Jr. So, I'll uh, man. So this one, I'll, I'll say, you know, you're killing me for sure. Um, I, I would probably just like swap out everybody that you've you've uh, said so far, but um, I'm going to go with somebody who only brings really one thing to the table. I need somebody from TV. And it, it, to me, I love listening to Mike Joy as a play by play guy. Um, so when you're talking about the season, um, Mike Joy, I enjoy much more than Rick Allen. I know yep. people make fun of Rick Allen. I have a drop on here that kind of makes fun of him um, with the aggressive goes around thing. But, you know, Mike Joy is a big game announcer. Like, hate him or love him, Joe Buck is a big game announcer. You know what I mean? Sports have their big game announcers. And yep. Mike Joy is the big game announcer for NASCAR. And he has had a lot of different, you know, people. And I would be calling out uh, – DW, but he's retired. Um, but like, think about all the the different people that he's you know interacted with: Larry Mack, DW, Jeff Gordon, Clint Boyer. You know, over the years, this is just the recent stuff, mm -hmm. and he's the kind of the the connector. He brings everything together. He's really smart 
at being, you know, in the broadcast, um, doesn't, you know, he does interact on Twitter. Sometimes he's not the guy that you're getting like news from or anything like that, but when he does speak, you know, it is interesting. So, um, for me, this is more so just about like Sundays turning on the race. I hate when I no longer have Mike joy. So that's my choice here. No. Yeah. I like that. One. Yeah. That was, I have that listed here as well. Um, I've only got two left. I got one pick, right? Yeah, one pick. Um. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna skip this one because it's not. He's not technically a NASCAR announcer anymore, so I think that kind of rules him out. I guess technically. So I'm just gonna go to the last one I have listed, and this is really a shout out to my wife because she loves this person. But I'm gonna Jamie Little. I think Jamie Little is just. She's great at the pit, the pit reporting, and I think she's a big presence for women. You know, like especially women, like the may not even be NASCAR fans. Like, for instance, my wife, she's not really a NASCAR fan, but when I'm sitting down watching a race, she's like, "Oh, there's my girl Jamie. Like, I love what she's doing. Like, she's." Um, but I think Jamie, I think Jamie's really good at, at for Fox, and she's really good at um, you know reporting on pit road. So that might be a weird one, but um, that's just more of a shout out. I don't I don't think that's weird. I think she does bring a lot. I mean, they gave her the play by play um yeah. in the, one of the truck races this year. So they they you're right. I mean, she's she brings a lot to the table for them and um for women in general. It's just, you know, overall good to see that Danielle Trotto was somebody that I was kind of thinking um in the similar vein like she yeah. but, you know, so I Kim I Coons. Kim Coons and up and coming you know, person in that area. Like she, she was on that podcast with Blaney. I don't even know if they still do that, but um, you know, that she's somebody in that same, same realm. Um, But I'll hold off on, on taking uh, Danielle because, you know, I think because she really right now only has the, the radio show with Larry Mack um, on on two hours a week, not much else other than that. And she's a Boston fan or, uh, Someone so that rules were out of my book. Sixers are playing the uh, Celtics tonight, so we'll, we'll, we'll pass <laughs> on Daniel for now. Uh, the last one I'll throw out there is um, another announcer, uh, but he does bring a lot. This is somebody I, I could be rubbing people the wrong way, but Mike Bagley. I like the Bagman. Um, I think his trouble call is the best. Um, if we're talking about you know serious XM radio hosts, uh, daytime hosts. We're leaving a big one off, I think, on purpose. And I yep. think uh, the bag man, you know, he he handles Pete Bastoni's, you know, stuff, I'll call it, uh, very well. They're a good team. And, you know, the fact that the bag man can do that, he, he's on Twitter constantly, and he's one of the, the primary uh, radio race calls. Good you know, educational announcer, great voice, great trouble call. They bring them in to do uh, some of the road courses for TV. So that tells you like, you know, he is very well respected. So uh, I'm a big fan of the bag, man. He, he got me when I was driving to work instead of uh, working from home. He was a big part of my morning. Um, so bag, man, is my last yeah, pick. I like that. One. That was, I have that one kind of sort of written down. I, I was going to cheat a little bit and say that I needed to pick somebody from like the MRN PRN broadcast because I actually if if I could sit down and pick am I going to watch on TV and listen to the TV announcers or am I going to listen to radio I actually prefer radio I love the radio call yeah. um, 
But I do want to talk about my honorable mention. The guy I didn't bring up, Alan Bestwick. Would you have accepted that? Alan Bestwick? I mean, he would have been accepted, yeah. I don't know if it would have been a good pick, but go ahead. <laughs> really? You don't like Alan Bestwick? <laughs> it's not that I don't like him. Just like your other your other picks here, like Hall of Fame. You know what I mean? But in that same vein, if you go back to like, I mean, just in the last like, I mean, from 2015 back, like probably 2000 to 2015, all of your biggest hauls are Alan Bestwick. Like you go back and watch the um, Daytona 500 when Michael Waltrip wins and like stuff like that. Like that's Alan Bestwick. Those are like some big time calls. And I, I, I don't know. I, I maybe it's just nostalgia for me. But since he's not NASCAR, he's technically SRX right now. I wasn't sure if that was going to count. Well, I, I enjoyed him at SRX. I mean, I, yeah. I am a huge fan of SRX. And I guess maybe you're right. Like he brings legitimacy to it. Um, I guess I kind of feel like bad for him because like, he, as NASCAR gets like picked up and dropped by um, various cable stations or whatever, he's always the odd man out. Like he's always mm-hmm. the one fine and him and, and Rick, uh, Kyle Petty um, just like always kind of go the place, like the odd spot. And uh, right now is at SRX and I, I love the future for SRX. So, Hey, maybe you're right. You, you've convinced me that would have been a good pick. So, okay. Um, yeah, good honorable mention. <laughs> so, yeah, thanks for doing that with me, Chris. So the the, the four tires of fandom, the Mount Rushmore of uh, NASCAR personalities. You've got uh, Bob Pachris, Larry Mack, Dale Jr., and Jamie Little. Phenomenal uh, list there. I've got Jeff Gluck, Claire B. Lang, Mike Joy, and Mike Bagley. So, um, yeah, that was fun. So let's get into the gambling portion here. Um, we're, we're moving to Homestead. We've got three races left. And, you know, for me, I, I talk about this, you know, my, the, the tracks that I'm looking at, I'm only going back five years at Homestead because they do only come here once a year. So I don't want to go too far back. And then it's the high tire wear tracks. Um, it's what Ryan from iFantasy Race you know, calls out the two Darlington trips and auto club. Are you doing anything different in your preparation? Um, at first, no, I had the same thing up until about two hours ago. And then I saw JSK release the tire. So then I did add a little, some tire code track. So I did add, they're running the same right side tires that they ran at Kansas to Vegas to Texas to and Pocono. Um, so wow. I did bring those four tracks in just from an average finish and, uh, total speed standpoint that's a bit um but i wanted to kind of see just kind of add that element in. so i've literally had the same exact tracks as you though i have darlington one and two auto club then the um tire code tracks and then obviously homestead and i only went back three so i'm only at the last three races okay so. three races at homestead all right so that that the tire code stuff is a, a big deal um so yeah it'll be interesting to see as we go through some of these bets, um, how much, you know, we differ. I, I feel like for the most part, you're still kind of on the same guys. Like it's tough this week for outrights. And I know that's what you guys spend a lot of time on in flag hunting is your outright picks. Um, I feel like outrights are tough this week because you've got the guys who are just like strong in quotes. Like I'm calling Kyle Larson out as like strong because uh, he's, he's always talked about, but he's never actually like gone out and, really kicked ass it feels like because this race was in the championship for so long and how do guys race differently for the championship race now it's in the playoffs um so it just it, it's a weird track but everyone seems to love it 
And a lot of talk about the guys like Larson running the high line. Now, you know, uh, I talked about earlier, there was a report from from just Jeff Gluck uh, saying like he was talking to a lot of people saying everybody's going to be running the high line and it's going to be tough to pass because that's that's the new way. So uh, that makes me a little nervous about what we're going to see. And it makes it tougher to call out outrights. Um, so any you know, we'll get into some head to head picks in here in just a second, but anything that this track, you know, as you're going through the data pulls out to you, like jumps off the screen to you, anybody that's just like, yep, that guy or, or this bet makes all the sense in the world. Um, well, before I get to that, I want to, I want to come at one thing. So you said about how people are kind of talking about what's, what's going to be the predominant racing this weekend like well, what are we going to see um and i thought at the very literally if you just want to skip to like the last two minutes of door bumper clear they talk about how they just tested there last month and they yes. did a tire test there and it's diff it's interesting to hear because freddie Kraft, who is a spotter of bubba and tj majors who's a spotter break because had two completely different takes and they were both one was there and one wasn't but one was hearing different things so uh, Freddie Kraft is saying that the Toyota camp thinks it's going to be an absolute race attrition, just like who can survive. And TJ Majors was saying that, uh, oh, sorry. And then Freddie Kraft is also saying, like, oh, I heard that the only way to find speed is to run the ball. Like, that's the only way you're going to find speed. And then TJ Majors is saying, ah, that's not what I felt. He said, I felt like the old car fit this track better. And now the wall isn't as, running the wall isn't as fast as it, as it used to be. And running that middle to low line is actually just as quick as it used to be. So that actually hmm. like okay. made me. It's it kind of swayed me off because like coming in the week, I was like, I was like, okay, so Larson Reddick, like, there's my pets. But after hearing that, I'm like, well, maybe, maybe not. I mean, and then on top of that, you know, I talked about this last week on our podcast. Um, so at the end of the episode, they also do like where they all make their picks for the week of who they think is going to win. And Casey Boat, who's the host, she's been calling Tyler Reddick to make picks for her because she's been doing so bad. And TJ Majors picked Reddick last week, and he was like, I actually like that. He was like, I like my chances better in Vegas than I do Homestead. And I was like, I well, heard that's that. Weird. I was like, yeah, that's. I would have thought the opposite. Um, huh. So, I'm, yeah, so to your point, I think my mind's a little bit in a pretzel this week because <laughs> I don't know what to expect. Um, but from what the model that I've ran um, – I do think that Denny Hamlin and Tyler Reddick being at the top of the odds board is correct. I do think that's right because that's the top two in my model as well. Yes. Um, so I have no qualms with that. And um, I, it's going to be hard for me to not bet one of those two come Sunday. Yeah, I, I think so. I'm on Reddick to win, um, but I'm actually going to hold off on betting him until after qualifying because I think that after qualifying, he's seven to one right now. I'm just kind of betting that he might not qualify as well as some of these other guys. And maybe you'll get him eight to one, nine to one. That's the, that's the strategy that I have there. Um, but I do like Reddick in, in a, a number of different ways. Um, so that's interesting that he said that makes me a little like, but maybe he's playing coy. I don't know, but it's, it's valuable information. That's really cool that yeah. um, he was even that they, that even goes on and makes picks. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, so, and to your point, though, like I have this, the what how you feel about Reddick is how I feel about Denny. Because if you look at the tire combo tracks and you look at the average qualifying at the tire combo tracks, Denny's average qualifying is 15th at those 
average at, at the average qualifying track or at the tire combo track. So I've almost got the same process as like I might wait and see if I can get Denny at a better price later after qualifying because it doesn't appear like he's going to qualify well just from what the data is saying. And if that's the case, and it's going to be a race of attrition, like they think, I think Denny's a, a perfect candidate for that. So, so here's a question because this is a, a bet that I call out, you know, as a, a special bet or whatever. It's the pole bet, mm-hmm. and Denny. So, so what do you care more about? Because Denny is five for five, not winning the pole, but starting first in the last five races at Homestead. He's won three poles, and I guess he was awarded. Uh, two poles so like for whatever reason covid and and maybe rain out or something um but three the last three times they they qualified he was the guy who won the poll he's plus 900 to win the poll you look at this season comp tracks not really blowing the doors off anyone in starting position um he qualified fourth on one of them i think it was one of the darlington races so you know they were good off the truck there but um what do you care more about because because you know, Homestead, he clearly has something figured out, but this season comp tracks starting position really hasn't been his thing. So what would you weigh heavy? Um, well, yeah, it's interesting that you say about him qualifying first, because I actually had marked all my qualifying, I marked it all red because I only pulled the last three years and the last three years it's all been the metric, the metric system or whatever. Um, so they didn't actually race for the polls. So I didn't even take polls into account for Homestead. I was just looking at the tire contracts, but um, yeah, I feel like whenever Toyota has been the better manufacturer at qualifying, it's normally Christopher Bell, it seems like. And then, um, you know, Chevy has just kind of been predominantly the better, the better qualifiers this year. So to me, for the Toyota camp, when I'm looking at um, what they've done this year, at these contracts, I think waiting on them and and yes. firing after qualifying is the way to go. Okay, yeah, I I, I would agree with that. Um, definitely for for the outrights for sure. Like they've they've come to play. I know that this is a different. It's a mile and a half, but it's a different beast. And uh, but you know, on the other mile and a half, Toyotas have been you know strong even after not qualifying well, not having yeah. a good practice session, not qualifying well. So, um, yeah. I think that is a, a decent strategy. So uh, let's get into some head to head conversation here, make some picks and then uh, we'll, we'll get to anything else you're, you're leaning uh, before we close it out. So um, if you're new to the podcast, we do uh, anytime we have a guest on, I like to do the full tank face off where we take three head to head matchups. So I'm going to let Chris choose one, whoever he chooses in that matchup, I get stuck with the other guy. And then I'll do the same to him, and then we'll have a, a third one um, to wrap it up. So it'll be a best of three series, and uh, we've had some some good battles over the you know last year since you've been on, Chris. Um, I have been dog shit lately, so um, it doesn't matter you know who's been on if I'm going first or second or whatever. It does not matter. I have been brutal, so I need to redeem myself here um, coming towards the end of the year. So. Um, I guess, do you want to go first? Do you want to have the, the two picks or um, do you want to default to me? I'm going to yeah, I'm gonna go first, I think. All right, go um, for it. Just because there's one that I think is, is way, just an easy, it's an easy one. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I guess to kind of enter this a little bit though, so this is our, this will be our fourth time doing this. You currently lead two to one. I texted you after the last time because 
it was Daytona, I think, right? Or Talladega. It was one of the. It was super the super speedways. speedways. We did the group, the group, John. And it came down to like that last lap. I remember texting you saying, "You just won our draft on the last freaking lap, the very like, last one." Um, and I remember saying, "Hey, it's not a best of three anymore. It's best of five. We're going to keep this going." So got it too. Yeah. Anyways, uh, so my first one. I hate to do this to you. I really do. I know what you're going to say. I know what you're going to say. Go ahead. Rip the William, bandaid off. William Byron over Chase Briscoe. Uh, this one is just, this is a layup. I mean, I hope I'm not jinxing myself, but it seems like a layup. Uh, as far as my model is concerned, we're looking at number three in my model versus number 22 in my model, uh, with William Byron having a significant advantage there. Um, Byron is a defending race winner. He's two and one versus Briscoe at the high tire where tracks this year. Um, the only one he didn't finish better than uh, Briscoe at was um, Auto Club, but he actually wrecked and was second in 12 speed before that crash. So, you know, without that wreck, you can almost argue that he would have been 3-0 against Briscoe. Uh, he's got an average finish of 10th at the tire code tracks versus 13th for Briscoe, second in total speed and second in fastest late in the run um, versus 26th in total speed and 26th fastest late in the run for Briscoe. Um, so even though Briscoe seems to keep sneaking through in the playoffs, um, this just seems like a uh, like a no brainer on paper at least, um, but you know, who knows? I guess with with the way Briscoe keeps keeps sneaking through, he might you might just sneak through with a, with a matchup right here. But I think on paper this is the, a no brainer pick. Yeah, this is this is uh, an absolute layup. You had to do it. I, I I'm glad that you did. That's the advantage of going first. You know, um, I have Byron winning the race, uh, twelve to one. I think he, uh, yep. his value is phenomenal um, yep. for, for the numbers that you just said, uh, you know, he, he's figured out this track and his numbers this year are very, very good. So you made the right choice. The books have this line as uh, ridiculous. You would never take this um, by itself. You need to parlay this um, because if craziness unfolds, uh, you don't want to be caught with all that juice. So, um, if I'm going to try to defend Briscoe, it's the fact that, Hey, last week I didn't give him a prayer. I, actually I did. I called him out to be a top 10 plus 100, but I didn't think that he'd be competing for the lead right at the end. I didn't think that he would be up there battling to, to transfer to the championship. That's what I'm right. saying. I didn't give him a chance. Um, and he came out of nowhere. They were horrible early in the race and came alive. So that's the only hope and prayer that I have here. And as we've seen a few times this year, these heavy, heavy favorite matchups don't always work out. Like it, it can be very close. So that's the only defense I have here. You make the right choice. There, there's nothing I can, uh, nothing I can do. So good choice to kick us off. Um, it's Byron over Briscoe. So good to have two uh, playoff drivers though, going at it. Um, yeah, that, I was I was trying to in my head I was trying to figure out why they even put this on DK, but I think it's just because they're like back to back in points right now. Is the only thing I could come up with. Um, why they yeah. matched up? Maybe yeah, probably because they're the first two out, right? So yep. they're they're trying to put them do something uh, fun like that. Um, all right, so I will do two other playoff drivers. Um, I am heavy, heavy, heavy on Joey Logano this week. So I'm going to have him even odds. He's even odds right now against Ryan Blaney. Um, I have Logano any which way you could take him. I'm usually not a back. You know, I don't like taking the, the guy who just won, but Logano's numbers, I had him written down 
last week. Like I started doing my numbers for Homestead early and um, just kind of getting some stuff down on paper. And he he jumps off the page to you. Um, if it's just Homestead by itself, he's got serviceable numbers. He's in the top 10 for driver rating, average finish. You know, he's won here. Um, that's probably for the championship at that point, probably. I didn't confirm that, but I would imagine. Um, and this season, there has been nobody better on these three contracts. His average finish is six average points ahead of second place. So uh, Blaney, not so much. Um, I have not even looked at Blaney's numbers. I mean, total speed, he's eighth. Logano, first. Um, Blaney is someone that I am absolutely rooting for. Uh, I've got championship tickets on both of them. Blaney's is longer. Blaney, I have 1,200 uh, compared to... Logano at plus 900. So um, I'm rooting for Blaney to get in, but I don't think he's going to be able to beat him in this matchup. So um, how do you feel about Blaney? I'll let you defend that. Um, not good. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't really research this one because I, I literally thought Bill's not going to pick this one because he never picks the race winner. I got it. Throw curveballs, man. When you're losing all the time, you got to do something. You did. I am like whipping right now. All right, um, what can I pull out for Ryan Blaney here? So, yeah, so in my model, Logano's fourth, Blaney's eighth. Um, so I would have also went to Logano way here. Um, I've, I've also been debating Logano just for an outright, too. I think he's one of the bigger values as well. I think every week it seems like Logano is just a value. I don't understand. Yeah, he's being disrespected. Um, and, and you shouldn't get scared off. I, I threw this stat out there, but you shouldn't be scared off by someone in this round. First person that wins the round, first round of eight, has success in the next race. It's not like they just are locked in and everyone says like, well, what if they're focused on uh, Phoenix or whatever, the championship? Not the case, um, actually. So they do bring it. So. Yeah. So I guess if I'm going to pull something here, um, there's a few metrics that Ryan Blade is a little better than Logano at. So if I, if you look at um, the high tire wear tracks this year and you look at the fastest late in a run metric, Ryan Blaine is actually number one in that metric. So he's a guy that if, if he sticks around um, and he doesn't get caught in something early in the race, you know, he's going to be fast late. Um, and then he's been, you know, fifth in total speed uh, for the full year versus Logano's 10th. So um, if you want to talk about consistency, Ryan Blaine's definitely been consistent. Um, so yeah, that's, that's about all I got going for me right now. Um, yeah, because Logano qualifies better. He finishes better at the tire kit tracks. Um, yeah, Logano, I think, is, is definitely the good fit here. Cool. Well, it gives me a fighting chance against you uh, from your first one. So then close this out. Who's the who's the third matchup here in the faceoff? I'm between two. I really thought that you were going to pick one of these other two. So now I've got a choice of which okay. one I want to go here. Um, I think I'm actually going to go, I'm going to stick with what I said earlier with Denny being number one on my model. I'm going to go Denny over Chase. Um, Denny, like I said, we, we just talked about how, you know, he's at the top of the board for a reason, him and Reddick. Um, if you look at the tire code tracks, Denny Hamlin's got an average finish of, of he's ranked second of all drivers at the tire code tracks. Uh, his driver rating at Homestead is also second over the last three races. Average finish is fourth. Um, over his career, his average finish is fifth. Um, and then, you know, if you look at the similar tracks, so Darling, the two Darlingtons and Auto Club, he's ranked fifth in total speed at those at those three tracks. Um, so, you know, you compare all that to Chase Elliott, um, 
Chase just really hasn't. It seems like for as dominant as Chase has been all year, he kind of just disappears sometimes with these intermediates. I mean, look at last week. Like, he was as critical as anybody of, of himself after the race. You know, they asked him, you know, what was the problem today? He said, B. Like, I mean, he just, he's been, he's kind of harping on himself right now. So, for the guys that's our current, like, championship favorite, um, you know, he needs some momentum. But I don't think he's going to get this week. I think, I think that he, that he takes Chase down. Yeah, that's a tough one for me to to take here. Um, I I agree with everything that you said. the The numbers this season at the Darlingtons and Auto Club are dismal for Elliott. Um, average finish is bad, but sometimes you know when they have a bad average finish, I go to look at driver rating. Did they just have a bad race? That is not the case. He's been slow. They've not you know average running position is is twentieth on these three tracks, just not good for chase. Um, which is why it's such a big deal that he gave up that cushion, uh, at a track like this, if he finishes 20th, uh, that, that could put him on the bubble. So, um, yeah. that is a good pick. I don't think Denny will be running 20th. I think Denny will be up there. The, the only thing I say, you know, cause I guess my job now is to make a defensive chase instead of pile on, um, <laughs> Average finish at Homestead in the last yeah. uh, five races is virtually the same. Um, 8.4 to 8.6. Denny still has it um, by a, a hair. Uh, Denny has one win, one top five, three top tens. Chase has two top fives and three top tens. So at Homestead, their stats are pretty equal. But if you're looking at the, the 2022 season, so it really depends on, on what you care more about. I would be like you. I would care more about this year, what we've seen. Um, so I, you got me really thinking nervously about Chase uh, making the, the finals. Like that, if he has another race like last week where he's a nobody, this this could get really interesting at Martinsville. So um, good pick. So let me write that down. We got um, the, the final set here. We've got William Byron for you over Chase Briscoe. Mm-hmm. I've got Joey Logano over Ryan Blaney, and then you're taking Denny Hamlin over Chase Elliott. So I got both chases on my team. Um, (laughs) Yeah. All right. So that's the the face-off this week. We'll get that graphic out there for people to pick apart and, um, you know, give you props because I think you set yourself up for positions, whether these guys can go out and get it done. So um, good choices this week, Chris. I have to tip my hat to you. So the honorable mention that I didn't bring up, the other one that I, I expected us to talk about was actually Truex versus KFB. Uh, I was, I'm heavily on Truex's side. Um, I don't know about you, but it seems like, and you guys talked about it in the live stream, I think you hit a, you guys hit a perfect back. It might have been Worm who said it, but it seems like stage three comes about and oh, Kyle Bush is spun out. Like it just seems like something has always happened to Kyle. The reason why I stayed away from that matchup was I was all over that concept and it didn't pay off for me last week. Even after I I was the one screaming it on the stream. I said it on the podcast. When Kyle faces adversity, he will just quit. And he didn't, he finished third, which is crazy. So I lost my true X matchup against him last week. His numbers at Homestead are pretty good. Um, So he, he kind of disproved the whole mental part of it. And to me, that's a stay away. 
Like I, I don't want any parts of that matchup uh, because I thought for sure last week Truex was going to go and and dominate. And then as soon as Kyle spun, I was cashing that in my head. I was like, yeah, that one, you know, that's over. Hit that yeah. one. Yeah. And not the case. So uh, glad you brought the, the matchup up, but that's that's where my head's at. I can't play it one way or the other. So yeah, it's if if we had landed on that one, it was going to be really close to talk about because, like I was, I have written down here like Truex's finishes over the last five races: third, twelfth, second, second, first. But then, but then Kyle hasn't finished outside the top ten in the last seven races there. So like, wow, it's really anybody's ball game in that one. So I, I fully expect us to talk about that one, but uh, kind of another. I'm, I guess I'm the king of honorable mentions today, but another honorable mention. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's a hell of a matchup by the books. Uh, I just can't play it unless, you know, because they're both Toyotas, you know, unless somebody is like way better than the other in practice, we'll see some shift in the, the odds. But um, at this point in the week, I, I can't touch it. So, um, yeah. So with that, any other leans that you have for Homestead before we close it out? Um, I think the one that I'm going to be talking about on, on our podcast as we record as soon as we get done here, actually. Um, but I'm going to be talking a lot of Eric Jones this week. Oh, I don't know yes. about you, but he popped big time for me. Big time. Um, the Top biggest 10. value, yeah, the biggest value on my on my board. He was tenth in my model, but seventeenth on the odds board. So that's a plus seven uh, for me. That and that's kind of the that's one of the first things I always look at is who's the biggest value. So we're going to be placing the fifty to one outright on him on the show in a little bit. Um, probably a top ten at plus one eighty, and you can even get a top five at plus six hundred. And we saw how good Eric Jones has been on these high tire wear tracks this year, you know, between Darlington Auto Club. So I think the books have this one way wrong, way wrong. 100%. I, I, he's one that I called out earlier uh, for a top 10. And and you even say top five, like it's not even, you know, I think if you're, if you're playing the other side of it, you're like, oh, well, you know, your, your model has the, the Darlington races and he's just really good at Darlington, but he, he showed speed at, uh, Auto Club as well, um, and ninth he's just been ninth at Pocono, eighth at Las Vegas last week. Like, yeah, like he's been good recently. He was good last week. It's not, yeah. it, it's not just the the specific tracks. Like he's had a very good year in that car, um, taking full advantage of the you know next gen, you know everybody's equal type um, philosophy. So yeah, I mean he he's absolutely somebody to watch. Yeah, like Oh, this is. I know this. This is an audio. This is an audio over here. I'll, I'll make oh it boy! Better. I've got the. I've got the diecast sitting right here. The diecast love is gonna bring us some money. The the fact that uh, that's a that's a sweet ride right there. I like that. So yeah, the forty three. I, I, I'm feeling the same way. I don't know. I mean, the fact that you said it, I might have to throw a an outright on them too as a a flyer. Um, I mean, because if if. One. If he goes out and wins the race and we talked about it to this extent and I didn't do that, like what a schmuck I would be. So uh, as soon as we're done here, I'll, I'll have to throw something in on him. Absolutely. Good pick. Um, well, Chris, really appreciate you coming on. We talked about a lot of different things, some gambling, some not, some fun stuff. So um, I really appreciate you you know, taking the time. you got a podcast to do um, in, in just a minute. So um you're double dipping and, and I always appreciate that. So um, just a shout out, you know, where can people find you if they're uh, new to, to your pod, where, where can they get that? And um, yeah, where, where can they find you on uh, Twitter? 
yeah, so we are um, at flag underscore hunting on Twitter. And then it's obviously just the flag hunting podcast um, on um, Apple and Spotify. Um, so that's the main place you can find us. Uh, we've been tracking our bets on the Action Network. If, if that's something you know anybody out there likes to do, uh, we do track our metrics out there. Um, but yeah, normally we, I think we've kind of changed our tune here over the last few months. Normally we did one podcast with both sports, but we've actually started doing sports separately. So we'll do like a forty-five an hour podcast on the race for the weekend and then we'll do another we'll do a separate episode for 45 minutes to an hour on the golf tournament of the weekend um so that's actually what we're about to do right now we're gonna fire up the golf one we'll get that one posted tonight and then we'll do the nascar one right after we'll post that one probably tomorrow night so that's typically how, how we run um so yeah any any golf or nascar fans out there that's that's where you can find us great that's uh it it, it really is a great concept really fun listen and you know, you guys are making people money. So how can you go wrong with that? Uh, if you're looking for a podcast out there, how could you go wrong? So um, really appreciate coming on, Chris. It's always a great time talking with you, man. And uh, yeah, well, good luck the rest of the year. Absolutely. Yeah. Phil, appreciate having me on again. So that's going to do it for another episode of the Full Tank with Phil podcast. Thank you so much to Chris for jumping on with me and talking through all of that stuff. Hopefully go use that information, win some money at Homestead this weekend to get prepped up for Martinsville next week. That's where we'll find you. So remember, drive fast, take chances, and we will see you next week for the final race before the championship. Place to go. Have no place to go. Have no place to go. Have no place to go.